0: This is a free version of the Oscar Poker Podcast, and the next week, uh, we'll only have the first 30 minutes for free and the rest behind a paywall. We will be offering one or two free episodes per month for subscribers. Thank you. Well, let's just start then. Um, That's okay, we're done. All right, so are you ready? Yes, I am. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Poker. This is Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com.
1: And this is Jeffrey Wells of Hollywood Elsewhere in Connecticut at roughly 2 p.m. How's everybody? I hope they're well.
0: (laughs) Um, At 2 p.m., I just wanted
1: to say, I just got into a big fight with an old friend. Again, the same guy who I remember And it's the same thing calling me Harvey Weinstein, calling me a Nazi.
0: How did this fight start between you and your friend?
1: Uh, well, basically it was, um, kind of a, um, uh, every now and then he decides that we don't, uh, I don't want to get into a political discussion, you know, let's just leave it alone. You, you feel the way I, you do. And I I have my own thing and it's, and it's fine. And I said, all right, well then, and then he came right back the next day after saying, I love you, buddy, which is one of his favorite phrases. Well, Uh, wait a
0: second back up a second because I know that the last time I connected with you on this you guys weren't speaking at all So did he reach out or did you reach out?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've been talking a little bit, you know, just texting we don't talk he's impossible to get a physical uh, uh, Meeting with the guy it takes months months and and it's just like ridiculous How do
0: you think why do you think that he suddenly decided to reach out?
1: Oh, I think he probably considers perspective and having been friendly with me. And I'm I, totally, emotionally trusting him since we were in 11th grade. I mean, it goes back quite a ways. And I've known him all these years, through all the phases, everything. And, um, and he probably figures this is kind of silly. And I said, well, listen, it's not, it's not me, man. It's not me, I didn't attack you. He said, No you did, you started attacking my daughters. I said, well, your daughters, are, you know, basically they're Macbeth daughters. They're the witches around the, the big pot and they're basically um, have um, identified and decided that I am a, you know, cis white male, in other words, a bad person. And, you know, the, by the Me Too standards, you know, awful. I I haven't done anything Harvey weinstein in my entire life. I haven't even, not once. I'm um,
0: Wait, but I'm I'm missing a thread here. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's, it's
1: his daughters. They're the bad. No, I know,
0: I know, I know. But my, I, I'm missing a chronology here. So he reaches okay. out to you. He says, "I yes. love you, buddy." Yeah. Then the next day he comes attacking you. Did he read something? He changed, you, he
1: changed his mind or something. I said, what, "What's this? Where did this come from?" Last yesterday was "I love you, buddy." Now we're back to calling me, me of all people, a Nazi. In other words. I'm too far right, is what he means. He thinks I'm... I
0: know, but did, what was he bouncing off of? Did he read something that you wrote on your site? or what,
1: That would what... Be, be one thing, but uh, not that I'm aware but of. But
0: what what ignited him to suddenly start freaking out like that? Did you He, send... started,
1: he started by saying, you don't even know what woke means. Said, I know exactly what it means.
0: Well, did you say and... something to him about woke, and then he was responding to that? No, or...
1: he actually started the conversation by saying, you don't even know what woke Mean. So
0: he must have been and reading sh- your site.
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Mm. And I said, I've been living with a woke plague for six years, and you're telling me to research it. You think that Bill Maher is sitting up in the plague. desert in a, in, a, in a lotus position and just imagining this? um I know exactly what woke means. It's an obsessive psychology uh shared primarily among millennials and and, and zoomers that insists upon celebrating race gender, and sexuality, or identity, above all else, and which is certain that the evils of present-day society come primarily from older white cis males, and which takes great offense at the idea of white males oppressing or victimizing women, people of color, LGBTQs, and so on, the whole gang. But basically, it's a 21st century U.S., United States version of China's Great Cultural Revolution of the sixties and seventies, and I sent him two videos. It's just, I mean, it's like I, I don't even know. If, is he silly? Is he losing his marbles? I mean, I, 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 nobody's this this clueless. And I said, woke also believes that obesity is beautiful, and he says you're wrong. Why don't you? You know, you, you all right. So here's it, the here's blah, the. Blah, 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 blah.
0: It's just a misunderstanding, as with so many things now. Tanahashi coats. Uh, his version of woke and the the black community's version of woke, which means they're woke to systems of oppression. They're woke to racism. That's a a 2015,
1: 2016.
0: That's what your friend is talking about. So we know the word woke has been appropriated and changed to mean Mm -hmm. this bizarre new religion that has overtaken and infected, in my opinion, and destroyed so much of the left, including Hollywood Mm -hmm. films and the Oscars. Right.
1: Exactly,
0: and everything else: sexuality, dating, comedy, science,
1: everything. You know, almost
0: everything. It's infected the everything the way that, say, Christianity would have mm-hmm. before. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not dumping on Christian Christianity's been around for thousands of years, so it's different. But I am saying, if you're a if you're a political party that pretends you're atheist or you're not religious or whatever, bullshit because mm-hmm. this is religion this is just a different kind of religion so i think your friend is living in a bubble of uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know of confirmation bias and and you know feeling mm-hmm. good about his his belonging to and participation in this new religion
1: because he's supporting his own his, his daughters are very much uh, you know
0: he doesn't feel like an outsider the way we do in other right. words he feels right. like he's very much as most of my friends are and most of the people that live in this town mm-hmm. I'm living in do, they They feel high on this collective sense of purpose. They like it. Mm. They're happy. You know why? Mm. Because it absolves them of their sins of privilege and wealth. So as long as, they, okay. as long as they parrot the party line, as long as they pay their indulgences right to the church uh, of woke, they get to keep their stuff. right? Mm. They don't have to give up their houses. They don't have to you know, be ashamed of how much money they make because they're, you know, they're paying the piper, as it were. Uh, as, you know, for instance, if you're very rich in a church, you give money to the church, and that absolves you of your sins of wealth. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of how the left sees this woke religion, is like it it absolves them of their own guilt um, for their position in life.
1: What about those um, uh, former good liberals who are now crazy lefties. What about, why do they always have to have guilt on their heads? I mean, what about just being, you know, I've I've never felt uh, like I was doing something wrong in a fundamental way. Uh, I think it's because I'm not rich enough or I haven't had enough money. No, I really,
0: I really do think, and I've said this many times, is that after the counterculture revolution in the sixties, where, where the left abandoned religion that they mm-hmm. spent the next decades, many decades, trying to find it again and filling it up with all sorts of different things, <clears throat> and as a result, I
1: don't think the uh, left abandoned religion. It became a very profound spiritual thing with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Well, whatever. LSD, I mean,
0: conventional religion, Christianity, traditionalism—you oh, yeah. sure. um, know, the okay. sexual revolution, the all of that cultural stuff that happened. Where I mean, it, it was a renaissance of culture, right? That we all loved. And for me, unfortunately, I invested too much into that culture because I had no idea one day it would go away. And it has, in fact, mostly gone away. Not completely, but, you know, the movie theater was my salvation. Art was my salvation. Science was my salvation. And to see it now corrupted by religion once again is horrifying. And, um, but you know, if you're, if I'm going to have religion in my life, why don't I just have regular religion? Why do I have this other new, weird, bizarre religion based on identity where people of color and transgender people are religious symbols and that transgender people are these like, you know, these like semi-gods and, and the mothers of transgender people are sacred beings. And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. must bow to this sacred sacrifice, you know, this, this religious icon. Um, and that's how they treat people of color, you know, um, as well, because it gives them that sense of purpose, that collective sense of they are doing good in this world. Now, I believe the transformation became. Bill Clinton was a was a uh, was the first president to take back power from the right. Served two terms since Roosevelt. It's the first Democrat to serve two full terms. Bill Clinton was a man who went after, you know, was modeled after the JFK politician of you know philanderer uh but guy with a mm-hmm. lot of charisma we looked the other way on all of his sex scandals we didn't care about character back then we mm-hmm. cared more about policy and then we it didn't switched. care about
1: character during clinton's um yeah
0: yeah pretty much well, obviously
1: it was, we did and obviously the right they did a, the right did it was horrible and then it flipped. I could get and a then it... job in the old office. I couldn't have cared less if you. Exactly.
0: Job. Yeah. So we didn't care about that, and they did, right? Now it's flipped. Mm-hmm. Now the left is the side that cares about character because of Obama, and the right mm-hmm. doesn't because of Trump, right? The mm-hmm. left is like, uh, has all the power, just like the Republicans did back then, and mm-hmm. the right doesn't. So they're willing to settle for Trump's flaws, just like we were willing to settle for Bill Clinton's flaws in order mm-hmm. to try to gain back some power in government and in culture. Right. But the good part of it, the we're good Puritans thing, I think, came out of the 90s, therapy culture, Oprah Winfrey, all this, we're going to make ourselves better people, make our planet better. Mm-hmm. And, and Obama was sort of the full realization of that dream. He's this good man with his good family. He's a good Puritan. And we all modeled that Puritanism and we're still stuck in that Place. Uh-huh. And so, for instance, let's take the Academy Museum as a good example of this. Academy Museum should be a celebration of the Oscars and of the film industry. And it should be for the people. It should be for all the people who bought tickets and helped Hollywood survive for decades. All right. But it isn't. It's for the ruling class, it's an apology. And it's-
1: Apology house, exactly.
0: It's apology and it's meant for the elites to walk around, you know, like Lauren Dern and Annette Benning to walk around and be like, We're such good Puritans, aren't we? We're taking mm-hmm. responsibility for our past, aren't we? But what does it do for the people? Nothing. What does it do Nothing. for anybody who goes to visit that museum? Nothing. It just makes them feel shame.
1: That's it. Well oh, by the way, speaking of the museum, they announced a good good while ago that they were finally going to acknowledge the Jewish founders of this industry, um, Louis B. Mayer and Zucor and, Zukor and all, the, all the others who basically built it from the ground up, uh, furriers and, and tradesmen who came out here and imagined it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that was supposed to be a whole thing, a whole big thing about paying tribute to the founders, the, the founding fathers, if you will, of the film industry. Do you know if that's open yet? I haven't even checked I could obviously do that as we speak. Um,
0: I don't either. I don't either. I I know that they're all mighty quiet on this Israel Palestine thing, though. Who's there? Hollywood, the Jewish community in Hollywood. There's only a few of them that are really going out. Look at Amy Schumer. She she stood up for Israel and Boy, she raked over the coals. I've never seen such bullying of somebody as I've seen of her all over the social media, TikTok, and this and that.
1: Don't you think we're in a new phase though? Now it's not it's everyone is disgusted and appalled and horrified by what happened on october 7th but can't we but, get in the present which is people are horrified at the idea of people who are relatively innocent and just living their lives the way most people in any culture are yeah and they're you know isn't that a bad thing now why, just why like is it just like to- the
0: germans in 1930s right i mean Imagine if we had social media and we had like Glenn Greenwald and Jimmy Dore out there going, "Look at all these peaceful Germans! How dare well, there were the Allies go and in... for the most
1: part, yeah." And would you...
0: <laughs> and, if we there had... were. and if we had blinked for that's one second. that's the way
1: people are everywhere. No matter what culture, no matter what century, you're missing the all... point. Most of them are just taking. Yeah, you're proving you're proving
0: my point for me, Jeff. Do you think we would have won that war if they had blinked for one second to worry about the Germans, the peaceful Germans? What do you think war is? Do you think war well, is that's tiptoeing that's in that's and that's cleaning cool. your teenager's room? Yeah. War is hell. War yeah. is bombing the shit out of civilians. That's what war is. That's why you do everything you can to avoid war. You don't do what Hamas did and deliberately start a war that was so extreme that you knew Israel was going to come back hard on you and that the yes. whole world <laughs> was going to condemn Israel for it. If you're, if you're a guy and you walk by a dog that's tied to a fence and the dog is barking and ferocious and you know the dog's gonna bite you are you gonna go and like beat the dog and unhook the the (laughs) chain kitty cat says not me not me never (laughs) not me oh she must be hungry
1: she comes up and she wants the back rub and the neck rub and i've you know She's we have a real love affair going. So.
0: That's so cute. She's not hungry. That sounds like a hungry cry.
1: Uh, she's not hungry. But that's, she's emotionally hungry. She wants the,
0: you know, poor little baby. <laughs> she's and neutered. She, really,
1: she she's... really does talk to me.
0: But you guys got her spayed, right? Or neutered or whatever. Yes. It is. Yes. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I'm saying like, are you going to throw mm-hmm. rocks at the dog? Right. That's what it's like. Why would they have they agitated Israel in a way that was so mm-hmm. bad? They took 200 hostages. Mm-hmm. They put a baby in the oven, raped its mother, filmed it on body cam that people have witnessed. People have seen this footage of the baby being put into the oven and burned alive while they raped the mother. The crime so heinous that Israel had no choice but to go full guns but. Bla- blazing and and yeah. that it's like that scene in the godfather too where Sonny goes to beat up carlo because he's mm-hmm. beaten up connie and he goes right into a um a uh whatever you call it you know a um, assassination thing like a mm-hmm. nest and it's a trap and he's he's they kill him because of that because they set him up that's sure. what they did with israel and they did it because they're clever Mm -hmm. because Putin and Xi Jinping and China, they have known for a long time that America is weak, and not just because of Joe Biden, but because of this woke stuff that has overtaken it, that we can't Mm -hmm. even police our streets. We can't even police our department stores. We can't even protect our citizens because of the woke thing. So they know that if this war starts, that what's going to happen exactly has happened. All these People showing up in Washington, D.C. and protesting, taking the side against the quote unquote yeah. white people, against the colonizers. So it was a brilliant play by our enemies. Absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. It is, a, it is a world war being started already that has a no win situation for Joe Biden.
1: Well, um, speaking of Biden, um, uh, right away the HE commentariat said about the uh, New York Times poll, which is actually not New York Times. It's Siena and somebody else. Somebody New York and Times
0: Sienna. and Siena. New York okay. Times, Siena. Mm-hmm.
1: They say it's a bad poll. Well, naturally, if you're in denial, it's, it's automatically the poll's fault. And I don't uh, know what to say, except I think that the denial <clears throat> mechanisms are so firmly in place in most sensible liberals and, you know, I guess radical liberals, that they don't want to know about bad polling for Joe. Joe is... Joe is... I said, I wrote, he's Jimmy Carter in '79, and he's not going to. Yes, gonna... I
0: agree with that. I've said that for a long time now. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's not—it's a very serious situation, in my view. Uh, and I don't want to get into a Trump discussion, but I think that it would be—I mean, I completely take seriously and believe in all the things that you and I and many others all right. share value-wise. For I your, cannot um... tolerate the idea of that monster. Okay. Well, see, I, I,
0: I'll I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll only spend this time, small amount of time, talking about Trump. But before I do that, I want your pollsters to know. I'm going to send you a screenshot of this. Five thirty-eight. Okay. That's Nate Silver's mm-hmm. site. Rates yes. the, rates the New York Times Siena poll an A plus. Okay. They they. Oh, rate in terms it. of its history and reliability and yes. accuracy and so on. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know they're idiots if that's how they want to see it that's fine well it's not
1: idiocy they're just didn't want to they want to hear it you know there's nothing that uh living is easy with your eyes closed you know if you just close your eyes and you're done all right so
0: so here's my thing with uh with Trump, mm-hmm. and and I'll only say this once because I don't want to get into a screaming match. I really don't. I don't really care one way or the other personally what you guys think about Trump or what I think about no, Trump. It no, doesn't I'm matter.
1: Not those guys. You're addressing me as one of those guys. Well, you're you're. Uh, what I mean is, side, I know you, you are.
0: Don't... But you're, where Trump is concerned, you're a guy with Trump derangement syndrome, like Bill Maher, right? So here's my problem with that. Here's my problem with Bill Maher and you and my new favorite person, which is Dean Phillips, who I absolutely adore. Who had had the court courage to go on Bill Maher and talk about the culture of silence in Washington, and how undemocratic that was, and how dangerous it was for the Democrats because they couldn't
2: mm-hmm.
0: they couldn't talk honestly about what's happening and how they they address the people mm-hmm. of the United States, mm-hmm. and he's right. so right about that. But then when he gets to the Trump derangement syndrome part, it's the part that I I just. I my heart sunk because I was like, oh no! All he had to mm-hmm. do was be reasonable, and he would have gained so many people supporting him. But it's, being
1: okay with Donald Trump is not reasonable.
0: There's there's a difference between being okay with him and being fair about him, right? There's there's being fair, which is the reality, and there's the derangement that's been sold to us for the past seven years that Nobody's is da- damaging is. to this country oh. to be that disconnected from reality. Look at where it's taken us, my God. Mm-hmm. So all I want is for a politician, and there are some that do, RFK Jr., Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Ron DeSantis, who understand that, you know, Trump, Ron, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy says that he likes Trump's policies, but Trump has, you know, causes a lot of Americans to have actual mental illness when he tries to govern. So he doesn't think he'd be a good president for that reason. and And I think that's a fair criticism. But I don't Mm -hmm. think it's fair to treat him like the guy who was the star of Celebrity Apprentice for over a decade as Adolf Hitler. Like that to me is, especially now, especially now we see where it's led us. It's so dangerous to be pursuing a former president before the eyes of the world. He's
1: an anti At a time when when Americans
0: are under threat by real tyrants and real enemies of the state and real dictators and real fascists at a time when we're under threat by them it's unseemly and the probably to me it's like the lead with the romans it's literally the thing that is destroying our empire collapsing america from within this delusion mm-hmm. just so the democrats can cling to power it mm-hmm. is bizarre they can't trust that you know all of this can play out they have to try to put their thumb on the scale and it's driving <laughs> it's it's so sad to watch but anyway regardless of all that you know, the, the Romans, Rome still fell and America will fall because of this, because people are never going to snap out of it. And I don't know what the solution is. I feel very scared about the future, about what's happening right now. But I know that Biden is failing the American people. And I know that Dean Phillips is right about that. So what do you I do? I don't think
1: it's really failing as much as because uh, the uh, opportunity, the economic situation isn't really isn't that bad. You can say- He's failing everybody over and over again. He's failing. He's, he's failing in terms of the metaphor of a guy. No, he's years failing. Old going, hey, folks. No, nope, <laughs> that's that's a
0: tiny portion of it. Here's that's how he's. The, fa- it. That's
1: it. No, so he's
0: he's concerned. George Spawn. He ushered in the Manson family. And he has, you know, he is the guy who is... That's not a bad
1: analogy, actually. I I could buy that. He's Bruce Dern. He's Bruce Dern.
0: (laughs) He's getting his accolades. He's living out his legacy Uh and he's destroying the country. Here's how he's destroying the country. The Mm -hmm. first way is that he's squandered all of his time in power by hunting down and calling MAGA domestic extremists wasted time all of that he could have been
1: let's storm the capitol he He could have been making his case
0: to the american people and he could have said to those people storming the capitol Mm -hmm. what has our government done that's brought us to this point let's talk about it let's try to solve the problem of why so many people feel this disaffected and this alienated from our government and our culture let's talk about it that would have been a heroic thing to do what he's doing is suggesting gulags. Let's put these people in prison. Let's continue to hunt them down. Let's censor them. Let's boot them out of American society. And then we can have our happy little utopia back.
1: Stupid the free toad idea. sloths and animals who insulted the Capitol Shat You sound really like
0: you You. Sa- oh yeah. And what were they doing yesterday in DC with the fucking Hamas? I Chance didn't see the footage, but they okay, were,
1: they were outside the White House and saying, yeah, you, Al- you, Al- Akbar. and, and what did saying- they do
0: during the whole summer of 2020 what, when, they, when they burned businesses to the ground, hundred year old mattress stores? When they put people they in were the saying hospital. they're saying they're going to
1: make everything miserable because of the in, in systemic racism in this country, yeah. and all the white people have to pay. That was the idea. Well,
0: and it was also let's make Trump look bad so we can win in 2020. That's what that was. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter, Jeff. The bottom line is this. The uh, they're collapsing. It doesn't matter how many times people try to s- say that they're not that they're the mm. whole. That's why you see Obama coming out now. Oh my God! There's a cat in my backyard. That's so cute. Uh, um, okay. The oh, you know, that's why Obama's starting to come out because he feels it all unraveling at the seams. But their problem is exactly what Dean Phillips said: that they're not allowing for all of us to talk about reality you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the reality of what's happening right now. And if we're, we're at war with each other, we're at war with ourselves, our, mm-hmm. you know, then we're never going to be able to take on Putin and Xi Jinping and Hamas. And they know it. They know it. That's the sad thing about all this. They know that we're weak now. And so anyway, the bottom line is this. I don't mm-hmm. know how we got on this conversation, by the way, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. let's ro- wind it back to film somehow. We've seen a lot of movies, both of us. So we have a lot to talk about. I, I could just yep. cut that whole first part and just start. No, it right it's here. fine.
1: It's again, it's totally fine. It, it's, the, it's what's happening. I mean, we talked about a, a poll that is very upsetting to a lot of people and it happened. It broke this morning. Now, there's no it shouldn't to be to upset. It's only
0: out. upsetting to, to people who haven't been paying attention. You, you read my Substack, you'll get an idea of what's going on. I've been talking about this for three years and people have been ignoring me and mm-hmm. in denial. What okay. do you think is going to happen? Do you think that Americans want a guy who wants to trans children at 10 years old like Biden does?
1: Uh, again, if you listen to the George, your own George Spawn, he's not really on that. He's just saying, oh, the kids want to do this, whatever. Leave me alone. Exactly. You know?
0: he's, but so what? He he's, still, he's, he's the not... president of the United States. We need a president who will protect kids. So well, that's... I agree with that. That's Please. for starters. But also yeah. he's into this reversed hierarchy. He's into eliminating test scores and equity based programs and this idea of uh, a Marxist society like he's all fully on board with that, not to mention the Kamala Harris disaster. Yeah. Right. Americans don't want to live like this anymore. They don't yeah, want to. live. I understand it's that. time to I let go. It's time to mm-hmm. move on. Do I wish we had somebody better yeah. than Trump? Yes, I do. Do I wish that we had a situation where we had a Dean Phillips guy running. Yeah,
1: I do. Yeah, I'd love to see uh, Dean Phillips become the Democratic presidential nominee. I really I'd love would. love to see really Dean Phillips
0: and, and Gavin Newsom and mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders all on a stage debating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we're not going to get that.
1: Yeah, you know? I know, I know. So. It's very, very distressing. All right, well, here's basically the thing. I, got, I went after, uh, as I, I made myself very, very passionate and very clear yesterday about About Maestro, which I'm, um, I I was just knocked flat by that film, and I think it's. I said today that I believe that it's dealing Citizen Kane cards. It has that kind of stylistic bravado, if you want to call it. Uh, It's flamboyant. It's it it's nervy. It takes chances. You know, it's like flamboyantly arty, but uh, in a in a way that I thought was delightful, and it's certainly not boring. And I made the analogy, which you immediately dismissed. That we've got two. Major films by major level auteurs about two brilliant, absolutely, totally influential uh, Jewish uh, uh, figures in our culture: Bernstein, Bernstein—I should pronounce it—and uh, Oppenheimer. And they both were kind of in the same 20th century. And I just thought it was the first thing that the guy who I was watching it with—I won't name name him—but he said, "You know, this is this is another mo- movie about a, about a fan- fascinating." brilliant uh, uh, jewish fellow who really really moved the earth in his creations and his imaginings and i this is totally more absorbing than oppenheimer and and we can't really discuss it because you haven't seen um, uh maestro but you know it, mm-hmm. i totally urge you to see it at the earliest opportunity so at the very least we could argue it so i hope you do Uh,
0: Well, if they'd send me an invite, they've been suspiciously not sending me an invite, which always gets my radar up when that happens.
1: Yeah, they got my radar up when they didn't. And they should have, I should
0: have been invited to see this right off, you know, they could put it in my. but they haven't done it. So, um. I thought A Star Is Born sucked after everyone said it was great, so I will hold withhold judgment on this film until I actually see it. But I knew that, that they were wrong about A Star Is Born, and lo and behold, it's a terrible film. So it's
1: not, Tasha. It's it's it doesn't it goes off the rails, but it has a great first forty five minutes to an hour. I don't hour. think
0: so. I thought it, uh, it really adequate, does. adequate. It's grading on a curve.
1: Uh anyway, Anthony Lane in his review of A Star Is Born that. <laughs> ideally bradley cooper's film would end after the first hour ideally and that after the first night that jackson main bradley cooper's character and ally played by lady gaga after that first night in which they don't have sex they just hang out she gets into a fight and he buys frozen peas to soothe her swollen hand and the whole thing it's a it's a really nice relationship and if they just if that tone that feeling that you get from the two of them had continued somehow but it doesn't, and then after that, it's it becomes the cliche about a, a guy with a drinking problem. But it's uh, it was really good that first hour. I, I completely agree with him. Some well, okay. anyway, this is uh, Maestro is so far beyond this it flips around with time it goes from one scene that you think you're it's actually happening say in a a rehearsal stage in broadway and then suddenly bradley cooper is one of the performers it's wonderful i mean it really knocks knocked me out i just thought it was great well i'm really happy
0: that i'm I'm so happy that you um Found a movie that you love. I mean, that's always a good thing. I like it less that you guys feel the need to compare it to Oppenheimer, which I find absolutely absurd. It wasn't my idea.
1: Actually, uh, the guy I saw it with, he brought it up. And I said, you know, that makes sense. It It doesn't make sense. It's a fair analogy. No, because
0: this maestro is more about his gayness than his Jewishness. It's not a movie about a Jew. It's a movie it's, about a gay. It doesn't really
1: dive into the gayness. It, it It's basically, it's a interesting, fascinating thing. It's really not about uh, a, a gay man. It's about a gay man that's completely happy with himself. And it, she doesn't, she gets the shit out of the stick. And more and more as they get older, she starts, it starts to bother her. As many marriages are bothered by, uh, let's say, the, the, the husband being more obsessed with work, let's say, or being uh, into traveling, or he's, um, you know, you know whatever things, uh, issues that split people apart. They don't share, uh, and it's a, it's a very sad. And towards the end, it's devastating what happens. I mean, it's, well, it's I know impossible. that
0: she, I know she gets sick and she has cancer yeah. or whatever, but. Yeah. The, is the end result of this movie, you motherfucker, you ruined my life by making me be married to a man who didn't, wasn't attracted to me sexually? Or was it, I love you, you love me, this was a happy marriage?
1: Well, this is the odd uh, thing. There's a great sequence, I'm not blowing anything, uh, that happens at an English cathedral. And you see, for the first time, for the first time, a whole movie, you haven't seen him really conduct or do anything that really knocks you out musically. And then they finally let you into his musical world and his passion. And after the crowd you know, leaps to its feet and starts cheering and screaming and everything, the thing he does is not take bows with her watching from the side. He goes right over to okay. her. Okay, I figured. And he starts yeah. kissing her and hugging her. Here's the he thing. Kiss. It's wonderful. Here's,
0: here's the thing. Here's the thing. Where, where woke has ruined Hollywood is simply mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. The ending is always predetermined because they're never going to criticize the gay man and the gay man. They're never going to criticize, for instance, that movie I can talk about next, Anatomy of a Fall. You know mm-hmm. because of the woke doctrine exactly how the movie's going to end. You know it because it's a foregone conclusion because you mean she's
1: not going to be guilty.
0: Right. Is that what and you mean? and not at yeah. fault in any way. But but mm-hmm. here you're never going to have a condemnation of Leonard Bernstein, you're going to have a rescue of him it's mm-hmm. a, it's a reverse counterculture reverse counterculture is going back in time and rescuing people from perhaps bigoted or biased views of people that you want to turn into heroes now as opposed to Priscilla which seeks to do the opposite with Elvis Presley to turn him into a predator and a rapist and yeah. and but it mm-hmm. but it is all the same ideology it is shaping how we see uh, people as defined by their identity, by their gender, by their sexuality. You're
1: insisting upon this, I am telling you, I know what a woke film is, I know what it feels like. This is not, not a woke film, it really isn't. There's a scene where he, his, he's trying to talk to his daughter, played by Maya Hawke, by the way, Ethan Hawke's uh, 28 or nine or 30 year old daughter. And he's, she's been hearing rumors about, you know, he's having a life uh, above and beyond the family. And she says, "Daddy, just gonna, you know, can you just tell me? Is it?" And he looks at her right in the eye with all kinds of caring, and of course, dear, uh, yes, I, I, you know, uh, I love you. It's not true, and he lies right to her face. It's really a devastating scene. Well, you mean because in, like in the nineteen
0: fifties, he would have told her the truth?
1: Nineteen sixties, I believe it is. She's older. She's uh uh twenty or twenty-five, something like that. It's it's well into his Yeah, uh, you know. His, I, I his know, but years. see,
0: here's the thing. Here's here's my situation. The movies that mm-hmm. I love this year, it's a tiny mm-hmm. handful of them, are movies that are out that live outside the woke universe, which means that we're talking about the story, not the identity. With Maestro, yeah. with Rustin, with Anatomy of a Fall, with uh Barbie, with um every other movie that's in the race with the exception of a tiny handful of films you're outside the realm of identity and you're talking about just the story oppenheimer is not about his jewish identity so much as the fact that he's the guy his 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 internal personal world is what's examined more because he was so important in our history and so exactly many That's exactly what
1: Maestro does. it does It's about an no, it internal musical world. It's not about, it's not trying to sell you an agenda about, uh, you know, it really isn't. It's, it's, it's there's, listen. Well, again, I, 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 can't,
0: I, I can't, I can't, I haven't seen the movie, yeah. but I know the woke thing. First of all, Bradley Cooper's straight. He chose to play a gay man. Why? Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Well, he probably sensed that the culture would be more receptive to it, and it was a fascinating duality or something like that. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Why would anybody sense. tell this story in the first place? Why would anybody tell the story of Leonard Bernstein? Well, Jake Gyllenhaal,
1: another straight guy, wanted to make this thing also. You know, they're kind of competing with each other as to who gets the rights, who gets the family to be on their side. And Jake lost, and, and Bradley won. So it's basically
0: this, of... this story's been kicking around. There's this Leonard Bernstein movie, and we don't know who's going to take it.
1: Yeah. And it's well, a good, was. it's a I'm,
0: really good part to play for an actor.
1: Do you know who Josh Singer, the, the screenwriter, is? He's a very, very good writer. Yes, I know the, who he is. And he's 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 given this thing a, a sound. And, and as I said, the, the the dialogue doesn't feel like you're watching written dialogue. It's, it's all right, it but really I'm telling
0: is... you that in 2023, yeah. the main thrust of this film is the fact that he was a gay man in a in a. In a beard marriage.
1: Okay, that's where it starts. But I'm telling you, I know what if it, it doesn't dwell there. It doesn't keep splashing around in that water. It really is about. Um,
0: well, the, like, like Rustin, for that. instance, Rustin is about civil rights. It's about the march on Washington. But it's also mm-hmm. about, and primarily about, the fact that yeah. he was a, such an out, outspoken gay man who was mm-hmm. pushed to the sidelines because he was gay. And so, yeah. you know, these that's what look at all the movies that have gay themes this year. And yeah. and they're also about other things like NIAD is about a woman making history, but it's also about a gay woman making history and a gay woman friendship with another gay woman. Right.
1: Can I ask something? Why did everybody insist that these guys are not romantically tied, even if they don't have sex anymore? Obviously, they're a gay couple. Everybody said, no, no, she's not. A, Jodie Foster is not her girlfriend. She's just a good friend. I know really? it sounds, it,
0: it does sound like that until you see the movie. It's one of those things. Okay. But, you know, when you see the movie, you understand this is a deep friendship between women, as women sometimes have these deep friendships. And you're saying
1: that Jodie Foster is not playing a, a gay woman?
0: She's gay in this, yeah. But she's okay. more And her- you're saying
1: that Nyad is not a gay woman?
0: She is a gay woman. Okay.
1: And so you're saying that when we visit them, when this story happens, maybe they've moved past the romantic thing, or maybe they just happen to be gay, but they're just friends? That doesn't sound very Well, you'll have to
0: see the movie for yourself, but basically she's her coach and her good friend. It's hard to imagine anybody carrying a torch for this terrible woman, right? She's very unlikable. (laughs) And Jodie Foster is the more likable, the better looking of the two. So if anybody is... Mm-hmm. Their relationship obviously didn't work because Nayat is the kind of woman who can't probably can't have relationships. She's too difficult, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm telling you that this movie, like Maestro, like all these movies that are gay themed, LGBTQIA themed, that's the category they will belong in when they hit streaming. Mm-hmm. The only reason they got made, the only reason people are talking about them, the only reason people want to and feel good about virtue signaling with them, is because of that identity. They like less the movies that are by and about heterosexual white males.
1: That you're right on. Yes. I understand. All right then. Yes. That's, that's, so that's
0: that true. the woke thing means that the only way to sell to this community is to somehow, you know, nestle into the into this this obsession with identity, right? And that's how okay. that's only how Maestro falls into it. it's not that it's necessarily telling you, you know, lecturing you or whatever. Like for instance, um Rustin, Rustin's not what what you know particularly a woke movie per se but it is because it mm-hmm. because of its subject matter because of of why people were supposed to care about it and the I only i was mildly reason-
1: bored by that film by the way Rustin. i just i was just kind of oh god you know i didn't feel it was doing anything other than what i expected it would do and that would well that's that's,
0: what, that's that's it the problem is the writing just like the problem in Naiad is the writing you know right? you, mm-hmm. you they need to learn these the problem with the woke thing in Hollywood and this is I'm not applying this to Bradley Cooper um, mm-hmm. at all or or Maestro. I'm applying it to newbies and rookies who get ahead because of their identity. Mm-hmm. And they're thrust into making these movies and everybody grades them on a curve. They do a good job, good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. never held to account for bad writing or bad directing or bad acting mm-hmm. because people feel too guilty. So they want, you know, they want to reward them and they want them to be successful. Mm -hmm. but they don't really want them to be successful because they don't really want them to be good. They don't care Mm -hmm. if they're good or not. Mm -hmm. They want them to succeed. They want to feel like they've done something good in the world. And um, I would
1: would also ask you to consider this fact that happened. Now, uh, some people are emotionally, uh, let's say, more excitable, uh, more uh, more of a, a tinderbox ready to explode at any moment. They have that kind of temperament. And then there are those who are kind of more or less contained, like arguably me. You know, I'm not given to great emotional spillings except for anger. And the anger comes out in the writing. But basically, when you're sitting next to a straight guy who's older, not old, old, but older, and who doesn't have alcohol problems or drug problems or, or gets angry all the time. And when this guy starts weeping next to you, he's like, <sighs> I mean, it's really intense. And I didn't want to look over him and say, "Are you okay?" Which is what ninety-eight percent of the people do whenever someone starts crying. No, I, I just sat there and watched the film, and I figured he'll get past it. Just after, this is This is Is this four, is this the friend the friend that you saw? Yeah, him? yeah. He starts weeping, and I said, "This is fascinating." is you know this. And it's not just because of the subject of what we're watching, which is sad, Aww. but it's also because the movie is affecting. It gets to you. Well, it's that sweet that something. he's
0: such a softy. I mean, I was sobbing through "The Whale" and through "All of Us Strangers," and both of those are kind of similar. You know, it's not that okay. if a movie's about somebody gay that makes it automatically bad or stupid or dumb or whatever. You know, or worthless. Mm-hmm. You're still involved in the characters. You're still involved in the story. If anything, yeah. you feel even more for them because you understand their suffering.
1: Do you, how well do you know on the waterfront?
0: Pretty well. I haven't watched it in a while, though.
1: Okay, but you know what? Some, when you see the opening shot, it's of the docks and a couple of large, you know, vessels uh, uh, and freight, freighters. And there's a small cabin where, all the, where the bad guys meet, and you see the bad guys coming out. And they're right and they're walking up and they're sending Marlon Brando to get Joey to come down or meet him up on the roof so they can throw him off. And and you hear this music. That's Leonard Bernstein's music. And this music is used in the very beginning of the film. And it's thrilling what happens. Because he's basically excited about having been called at the very last minute, the afternoon of a performance, and he has to uh, Conductor you know, live for the first time at Carnegie Hall. And this is what launched his career back in '43 mm. when he was uh, 25 years old, and it's really thrilling. And it's like he, he runs out of his bedroom where he's been with this guy, but you know they don't make a big thing out about it. And he runs out and he's got clothes on suddenly. He runs to the balcony of Carnegie Hall with the on the waterfront music thundering, and it's just this is great. I just love this kind of cinema. this.: oh, good. It's, I'm I'm it's glad. Really I don't
0: want. To, I certainly don't want to diminish your love of a movie i really don't you'll wait
1: you until you see it then you'll sit on it <laughs> right. if it's
0: That's bad I'm not gonna,
1: gonna
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie i'm my, not gonna lie my my only problem my only comment on the woke thing is that <laughs> i'm getting tired of it i'm tired of it i'm tired of them saying here care about this person because they are a marginalized group
1: why we love partly why we love the whole so much i mean i think that's what a lot of people are responding to in the holdovers. is thank god there's none of this this because exactly
0: after. the reason that you come to storytelling or i always have in my life isn't mm. necessarily just to understand myself and my identity as a woman right a feminist movie or whatever mm. some some of that can be okay some of it can be fun to watch and interesting but you really come for catharsis. You come to watch other people struggle with certain things that aren't necessarily identity-focused. Mm. America's 95% not gay, right? Yep. Yet the the gay themes dominate 90% of the output of Hollywood. It's always there because it has to be there. It's funny to watch movies now and see how they work in the woke thing. Mm-hmm. Because they have to, because of the DEI mandates. What was I watching? I was watching um Anatomy of a Fall. Like the one place where you would expect it not to be. But it's there. She has to be bisexual. A mm-hmm. a black woman has to be put on the T V screen, um, and have a pretty big part. A woman of color has to have a part because it all is mandated to be there. Mm-hmm. So you kind of are taken out of it and you're you're meant to experience a reality that reflects like Brooklyn, New York or you know, mm-hmm. some tiny part of American life, but it doesn't feel universal.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: So I—that's—that's right. that's, that's the thing, and that a universal story like the Holdovers is just here. Come watch these people, watch this mm-hmm. story. And now Justin Chang brought up the thing where he felt alienated by it because there was an Asian joke in there. Yeah. Um, and that so a cruel little
1: racist Asian joke, not nice, but that's what assholes at private schools were light like back in the 70s. Some of them were
0: Right, and, and, and your, your commenters would say, well, it's not fair to Justin Chang to have to, because it's not universal if people who are Asian art feel left out of it or alienated by it, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but again, you get down to this thing of the majority versus the marginalized groups. If you make a movie that every single person is not going to be offended by, you're not gonna be able to achieve that goal. <laughs> So yeah. you know, I'll settle with one, and they'll say, "Oh, easy for you to say, you're a white person." Yeah, but you know, I, the I've...
1: movie makes it very clear. It makes it very clear that this kid is a jerk, and, and there's no question that he's he's the least of the characters because of his small mindedness, his meanness. There's well, no question yeah, and about also
0: that. he's it's it's pretty mild compared to what it actually was like back then, with the slurs yeah. that people actually felt comfortable saying. I mm-hmm. remember from high school. Yeah. Um, so it, it was it was a mild compared, but he didn't he didn't pull punches just to not offend people. He wanted to show that this little kid had a hard right. time and felt like an outsider. I mean, the kid pees his bed. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to show yeah. him going through something painful. You can't pretend like mixing races back then didn't have some sort of effect. It did. Yeah, of
1: course.
0: I, um, of course it's. Anyway, yeah. so I love the holdovers. I love Oppenheimer. I love The Killer, um, and and these movies yeah. that I feel are universal stories that aren't necessarily anchored in identity. And mm-hmm. that's just my bias, but it's only because we have so much of the other, and we don't have enough of the universal stories. That I think that's that's where we have mm-hmm. a bit of a problem. There's an overabundance. There's there's too much. Um, you know what is it? the The market is demand, and it's what's the, you know how you define the free market. It's it's something versus demand,
1: supply and demand.
0: Supply versus demand. We have a okay. supply problem because we have mm-hmm. too much supply and not enough demand. That's Hollywood's problem right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That's why Oppenheimer and Barbie did so well because they were they were giving the majority mostly what they
1: wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm uh, sorry. I'm just doing one thing as I listen to you. I'm listening, but at the same time, I'm writing the woman who's supposed to be helping me with trying to find my wallet. Oh, good. My no, wallet, please go, go did... for
0: it. Go for it.
1: <laughs> I want to stop our conversation. I'm just saying that the my wallet fell out sometime during the uh, during the Maestro screening, probably on the floor of Dolby 88. It didn't fall out at the uh, steak restaurant that we went to afterwards, which, by the way, it was the first steak. Steak restaurant, classic New York steak restaurant. That was it was just wonderful. All the waiters were forty-five or fifty years old or older. Uh, they brought over these uh, a t-bone and a sirloin, and they were like sizzling and and they smelled wonderful mm. and these magnificent. Vegetables that were, it was just one of the greatest meals I've had in a long time. And I just never go to a New York steakhouse, pay $80 to have one of these things. Jesus. It was really delicious. Jeez, I know that's a lot, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It really was.
0: I'll tell you, um, yeah. your friend that was crying during that movie, that's how I was during A Taste of Things. I was crying like that mm-hmm. because it was so moving. That's another universal one. And I don't mean universal as in everybody in it is not gay or whatever or white. I just mean universal as in their identity isn't a part of the story. It's just mm. a story about people. Right. Okay.
1: Well, I didn't. It's funny. We are sitting right next to each other, and you're a more subtle crier. You were not. Um, uh, you were not <laughs> gasping and weeping the way this guy was. I, mean, I don't know if we very audible.
0: I don't know if audible. we want to keep this in. <laughs> He might feel bad.
1: Well, I was wrong. It's not. I'm. First of all, we're not naming him. Secondly, I'm not saying the particular scene or why it was that he was triggered. But we're all emotionally triggered by certain scenes in certain movies. I certainly. It is, but I, it is I, unusual
0: I, I, that a grown man would be openly weeping in a movie. It's unusual. It is. A, it
1: is unusual. But it, it just means that he's got a heart and he's got soul and you and know. he's it, passionate. The movie will get you. That's all.
0: And he really related to this character.
1: Yeah. And there was a, a a thing, and I was just saying, well, this is fascinating because I don't think in my entire life have I sat next to a straight guy or a or an emotionally out there guy. Let's put it that way. Uh, I don't mean that all gay guys are given to, but they are. You know, there's a certain emotionality that you associate with with being gay, and this this guy is not a uh, he's not a person that I would say gushes. His emotional feelings regularly. I mean, it's not it's the first time it's ever happened, and I've never sat next to a crying guy in a movie before. Ever. <laughs> as a so.
0: I would love to film that. It would be like a scene out of <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm. And, and Why do you got to cry any, during the whole I'm not thing?
1: Not belittling or putting <laughs> or criticizing. It's just listen. We have these reactions. I have them when I, whenever I see, for instance, um, when Gordon McRae uh, is talking to Shirley Jones in um, Carousel. And he's uh, trying to, oh, no, he's talking to his daughter and telling his daughter not to feel um, diminished or hurt or, or, or low self-esteem, whatever she's suffering from, because of his legacy, his, his memory as a bad guy who uh, was killed during a robbery attempt. And he's telling her not to let that <clears throat> get to her. <laughs> and I'm feeling <laughs> emotional right now just talking about
0: Aww.
2: it. But
1: I, but, I, but I think we all have this thing that we uh, we're susceptible to. I'm turning this
0: off. Yeah, I was surprised that that's how I reacted to that movie, The Whale, at the end. I was, like, really devastated emotionally by it, and I could not... I I knew it wasn't that great of a movie, Mm -hmm. but it didn't matter. Like, it got me so bad emotion. Like, you can never tell what the one thing is going to be that triggers it. And the thing that got me about him was just that his life was so bad. Everything had gone so wrong for him.
1: Did it have to do with any scenes involving that wonderful Vietnamese actress? Uh, now I can't remember, but she was no. one of the supporting actresses.
0: That's not Hung Chau.
1: Okay. She did was you... not in that scene, you're saying?
0: Did you never see the whale?
1: I did. I did No, I was really quite thrilled by that moment when he suddenly is taken. <laughs> and, and, he, and he kind of gasped, <gasps> And he's gone. Just like that. That was well, amazing. Well,
0: I, I, I think for me, what got me was the the only thing that he in the end felt worth about was his daughter. And I think the reason it got me is because that's how I feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel that, you know, and it makes me cry just thinking about it. And I don't want to cry on this stupid podcast. so I'm not going to mm. continue the conversation, but just right. when mm-hmm. you feel that there's only one thing in your life that really matters and mm-hmm. that has mattered throughout your life. Right. Um, it does bring you to that point or it did for me in that particular movie it did and you mm-hmm. know there mm-hmm. there haven't been many movies that have made me cry like that or sobbed like terms mm-hmm. of endearment for instance is one of them yep um yep. but you know it was mm-hmm. i i wondering how many people were in the screening for maestro uh
1: that was fascinating you know i thought it was a screening and obviously that's whenever i've been to Dolby 88, it's like, you know, 15 people or 10 or something like that. It was a Jeffrey Wells screening. Nobody else was there. That oh was it. Oh, my God, wow. It was just, the, just the two of us. And I was saying, this is flattering. I mean, this is very nice that they're doing this. And there's another one coming up. But why um, they wouldn't have extended the, uh, the invitation to others. You know, they're having mm. it on a Friday. There must be a fair number of people in New York who haven't seen it yet. They didn't attend the New York Film Festival screenings, which I didn't. And they weren't there for, <clears throat> it wasn't in Toronto or Telluride, but it was in um, Venice. So, you know, anyway,
2: um, so I, was,
1: I was fascinated that, they, yeah. they, that nobody else was there. I think Which that's probably. Great. My friend uh, was, uh, probably felt more open about weeping because nobody else would be there to uh, give him the side eye or anything.
0: Right, exactly. Totally felt in, in very good company. And, and here yeah, we are yeah. mocking him on a podcast.
1: No, no, we're not. We're just saying this is a very rare thing. Very. I mean, uh, there's one thing to kind of tear up, which I've done many times, but tearing up in kind of like in a subdued way, that's one thing. And then there's Sasha Stone getting a little, more than a little uh, affected by, uh, by the whale or by the taste of things. And that's another level. And this was like a much more vivid, more noticeable type of crying that I had never really experienced in a movie theater.
0: Them. Like a, like a, uh, huh, huh, that kind of cry? Or? Oh, no. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, when you're really starting to cry, you start. Oh, poor guy. Crying. Oh, you know, that kind of thing. Wow.
0: You're, well, you're no right wonder he loved the movie so much.
1: Well, um, yeah, but the movie was as good as it was because it got him. So it, uh, uh, mediocre movies don't get you like that. I don't care what you're watching or what you're responding to. If it's, uh, if it knows how to, you know, deliver the good, so to speak. It's Yeah. It's, well, I,
0: uh, I, I felt that way during the holdovers because of divine Joy Randolph's character. Anytime yeah. she was on screen, it just destroyed me. You know, mm-hmm. when she's putting the baby clothes in the drawer. Yeah. All of her private moments. She just is mm-hmm. such a, she's so good in that part.
1: And when she, she's, she's drank, had too much to drink. That's her yeah. Part. That
0: scene and, and just her casual niceness. And I was so happy that the movie never got into racism. Yeah. It was just it. so refreshing. Well,
1: actually, it does. You remember, there's the moment where that ugly little kid kind of doesn't like the idea of her joining them for, for dinner. Because Paul Giamatti says, why don't you join us? And she looks around and sees that kid giving her a dirty look. Yeah,
0: but, but that could also be a class thing. Just we don't want the maid, the cook or the maid or whatever eating with us.
1: Okay.
0: It could be interpreted either way. He didn't, he didn't make a thing of it.
1: No, he didn't say she's a woman of color. <clears throat> she said, he, she, she's here to serve us. She's, uh, she's the cook. What are you doing? I don't want to sit with her. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was a uh, class thing. It could yeah. be
0: either, but like if it had been a race thing, you would have had a scene where they go, like Green Book, where they go into a restaurant and there they say, oh, she's not welcome in here. Right. Right. But he didn't need to do that because the story stands on its own. Mm. Um Not to say that there wasn't racism back then Mm -hmm. there was of course there still is but Mm -hmm. um but i like the the, what he did was open us all into the story yeah Yeah. i thought and and Mm -hmm. just to do that to make a universal story you have to be able to do that you have to be able to make it something it tell the honest story about the characters without imposing a social justice theme Mm
2: -hmm. right
0: right Um, Speaking of which, Um, we should talk about, uh, mm. I've seen, now I've seen May-December, I've seen Anatomy of a Fall, and I've made it almost all the way through Rustin.
1: Okay. Well, May-December, as I uh, conveyed immediately upon seeing it in Cannes last May, I found it uh, uh, exasperating and awkward. I felt that the, uh, I I know that uh, the, the movie kind of was okay with Julianne Moore having basically being Mary, Mary Kay Letourneau, that's who it's obviously based upon, yeah. who, who fell in, uh, into a hot affair with a, I think, the, guy, uh, the kid who's kind of Hawaiian. Um, he was 13 or thereabouts, and in the movie he was 14, but it's basically the same deal, cradle robbing. And uh, I, I thought it was, uh, I didn't, first of all, you know, this is mundane, but she is um, a Julianne Moore's character is uh has a business a a small business and she's serving the wealthy people of the savannah area you never see savannah by the way you only see the coastal area where they're living but she's got a business where she makes these really nice uh upscale uh, cakes and pastries and whatnot and he is i don't know what he's doing he's got some kind of not great job he's not a big executive or anything he's working for some hospital or
0: he's like a he's like an orderly or a nurse or something like that
1: so, they're living at a home <clears throat> that looks like it costs at least three or four million dollars, and they're living very nicely. I didn't believe that she was able to afford that. Um, not, on, not on making pastries. Uh, people that do that for pastry companies, cake making companies, uh, they get paid about 20 bucks an hour. So, I mean, let's say that she's able to finesse her brand. So, that she's getting 40 an hour. Let's say she doubles it because she's very respected <clears throat> as a woman who knows how to make good desserts. But she's still not going to make enough to to keep that place afloat. It's huge. I mean, it's a very nice place on the water, too. And they've got kids. Kids are going to college.
0: That's so funny you should mention that because I was wondering that, too. I was thinking, where's the money coming from?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing about, um, about Hollywood tends to not really worry about income levels. They fall in love with the places that they want to shoot the, play- the films at. And, uh, you know, I think Todd Haynes, they just say, we're not going to have her live in some apartment somewhere. We've got to have them together. And he, I remember reading his, he, he and the location guy looking for the right kind of home in the Savannah area. And they decided upon this area that's, that's quite. Beautiful, quite nice, uh, but it's, <clears throat> but it's a, an affluence level that I didn't believe a, a woman of her income uh, would be able to afford. Certainly not uh, with well, college.
0: Well, and especially since I doubt that, that there was any alimony given to her since she was in prison for seven years.
1: Right, that's right. At
0: least the true story is that she was in prison for seven yeah. years. Um, or five
1: years or something like that.
0: I don't know if she is in the movie or not. I know that Mary Kay Letourneau that's was. Right.
1: They have a little shot of a tabloid magazine like the Inquirer with a picture of her with the baby that she was getting birth to in prison, wearing prison uh, fatigues.
0: And you know what I could never find in my research of Mary Kay Latourna? What happened to the babies after she had them when she's in prison? Who raised them? Maybe they were in foster care and then she got them back or whatever. Like, I could never find that answer when I did the research.
1: I would presume um, she had parents or aunts and uncles or somebody that stepped in while she was in jail.
0: I know. I sure wish I knew the aunts because they're not going to give it to the kid, right? He's too young. Uh-huh.
1: And they did, they did uh, get married after she got out, about a year after she was released. And they did stay together for about 15 years or something. Then she got cancer. Then they broke up. Then she got cancer. And that tragically was the end of that
0: right and he he always did love her, even if he said that he he would never have done what she did mm-hmm. uh exploiting a thirteen year old but i the part of the movie that I thought was was odd mm-hmm. was that it's unsettling mm-hmm. in a way because it it doesn't seem to know what it wants you to feel, mm-hmm. like I think that a lot of it is is eroticism, you know high octane like She's turned on by this whole thing and she's playing the part, but, but Natalie for,
1: Portman's turned on,
0: yeah. For Natalie okay. Portman, it's very sexual, like she sees him as a sex object, and they even have sex in the movie,
1: yes, towards the end. Yeah. And,
0: mm-hmm. um, and and the weird and weird thing about that is that you know she was a, a woman in her 40s, and he was a boy in his uh, I was like 13 or whatever, mm-hmm. and so it It seems that the movie's trying to eroticize that a little bit, and then by the end, it turns into a different kind of it turns into a movie lecturing about predatory sex and child mm-hmm. molestation and it's pretty hard on julianne moore it's pretty hard on the hair on the protagonist by the end
1: there's a moment that I found extremely discordant and bizarre, and that's uh the her young husband played by all right, the name has gone out, but it'll come back. He's a fairly young guy, good-looking guy, and she is very, very upset about a cake order having been canceled. Right. She, she, and I was saying, what, what, is, what is this? Why am I watching her losing her mind over a cake? You know, people cancel. They decide they don't want the cake after all. They're going to celebrate the birthday somewhere else, so I'm going to cancel it for now. You know, that, that's, that's life. Well, it and shows she's losing that, her mind over
0: it, yeah, because it shows that, that his job in her life was to soothe her in her emotional crises, give her everything, okay, and that her emotions were the only thing that ever mattered and his never did. And I okay. think that comes through pretty strongly,
1: okay. Um, but, I, but I'm sitting there, I'm in the room with them, I'm sitting in my seat at the cell debussy watching this. I'm just, and I'm perplexed as to why she would get, get upset. I understand the point that Todd Haynes was making to us, but it was very, very Yeah, yeah.
0: the point is she's emotionally manipulative and she's a succubus and she, she mm-hmm. took everything from this kid. Mm-hmm. Everything. Right. Um, and it still wasn't enough.
1: Mm-hmm. But By but the I... way, at the very end, we see uh, a portion or a little scene from the movie that Natalie Portman is about to make in which she's playing Julianne Moore. Uh, I didn't quite get what that was telling us, but she is playing this sort of the seduction scene when she first meets the kid i think yeah do you remember that part
0: yeah the snake I didn't understand or whatever that part either. it's something about a snake Yeah. something seductive about the snake mm-hmm. um yeah my my yeah. problem with the movie is is uh, we should i should say that this isn't a woke movie, as you say this is just a story it's not yeah there's right. they don't talk about the race imbalance of a white woman and a boy of color they don't talk about that at all that's not factored in here at all
1: he's kind of isn't he supposed to be kind of semi-asian or semi-hawaiian or something polynesian like that? maybe i don't it's i feel it just strikes me as strange to call a person who happens to be part asian as a person of color just what that well, mean, those means those are the really rules non-white.
0: <laughs> those are the rules whatever i'm just saying it's not factored in the mm-hmm. movie it's not a part of the story um and one of the intriguing most intriguing parts of the the whole thing for me anyway was the um the idea that she only had her husband and she was sexually um what's the word she was sh- you know she was inexperienced, and he apparently she was yeah, and he apparently the the boy had had already had girlfriends. Now I don't know. You're if saying that...
1: That, that that Julianne Moore's character back when she was 30 years old or something, she was inexperienced.
0: Her character that she plays is saying she was only with her husband, okay. and and the boy had was sec- the sexually experienced of the two. Now what I can't understand, I can't interpret. I don't know what what he's mm-hmm. trying to say. There is he's trying to mm-hmm. say that she's like a typical child molester who pretends that it's the other, that the boy is the seducer, that the child is the seducer okay like when woody allen said that soon had had a bunch of boyfriends beforehand before she slept with him which is true um how old he... was
1: she when she and woody got together she was like not that young like i mean not that old rather. i think 17, like
0: 17 yeah 17 but according to the story you know she had already had but you know in the in the modern version of of how we look at these things they don't like priscilla press or whatever they don't really see it the mm-hmm. same way as people saw it back then. Um, like we were, I was telling you about that woman, Stacy, whatever her name is, that was Woody Allen's supposed high school girlfriend. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she was defending him in that article I sent you, which was what, 10 years old or something.
1: Yeah. 2014. Uh And
0: she was saying things were just different back then. You know, Mm -hmm. he, Mm -hmm. you know, I was excited to be dating him. My parents were okay with it. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Right. Um, and people today see it as rape, you know. So, what I don't know is, did Mary Kay Letourneau, was that the story? Did she really think that she was these sexually inexperienced and he seduced her? And did he seduce her? You know, like it all. I don't of see it... how that's
1: possible. She's 30 years old and he's 13. Yeah. How could he possibly be the experienced one? That no, you're an, an
0: adult. You say, you know, you're an adult and you're a nice, you know, caring and responsible adult. You say no if they, even if they huh. try to make a pass at you, you know, mm-hmm. you don't give huh. in to something like that.
2: But so I felt that the movie
0: wasn't bad. It was actually, I thought, interesting and provocative in the way that it it asked the questions about what happened back then. And and her basically her need to justify her actions where I thought it went wrong is with Natalie Portman's character being brought in. That part of it to me didn't
1: work. Mm -hmm. and I don't know why that's how it begins of course
0: I know but I don't know why we need to spend so much time with her I don't know what the point of her coming in is Mm -hmm. maybe just to show the public's obsession with the story and how Mm -hmm. you know we turn tragedy into entertainment I don't know but
1: I was also kind of you notice that uh, Natalie Portens is in (laughs) I, I take it back about not seeing. there is a scene in actual downtown Savannah the one that we recognize we've been to And uh, there's a call that comes in to tell her that, you know, here's where our address is. Uh, You know, you'll find it. No problem. Google Maps and everything. But she's staying in a home that's like two stories and presumably two or three, if not four bedrooms. It's not some Airbnb rental where you're just going to stay for a night. She's in this Mm. big home. And I was wondering, why is she staying in a home? She's alone. She doesn't have any. Why is she in a two-story house with a very nice colonial facade? You know, Because she's
0: a movie star.
1: Oh, so they automatically stay in a house.
0: Of course. Yeah. What That's do you right. think? Yeah. How do you think rich people live?
1: Well, I just, no need for it. Why do you want to, why do you need three bedrooms or four bedrooms if you're wealthy? Just so you can, because you can? That's the whole point the of being
0: wealthy. Yeah. I, I find it kind of depressing mm-hmm. myself. Like, I can't imagine how you would feel. That's like Citizen Kane mm-hmm. is so brilliant with that. Like, it shows that it doesn't matter how big your fireplace is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. how many statues you buy like it, to me i look yeah. at that and i it doesn't give me any sort of real satisfaction mm-hmm. or envy or anything like that like i can't imagine how that would be fulfilling in any way nothing's going right. to stop death you know mm-hmm. nothing's yeah. going to stop old age nothing's going to stop that awful thing of having to watch your friends die you know
1: yeah by the way, all right. So let's just jump on to Anatomy of a Fall, which I saw. I did not see in Cannes. I missed. I always do that in Cannes. I always miss one or two key films. I did see it in Telluride, and the basic thing is a it's a suspicion movie, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's a kind of a you know investigative procedural and a kind of a court, courtroom thriller. However, there's nothing thrilling about it because there the idea is possibly. Possibly, the, the lead character, whose name is Sandra, played by the renowned German actress Sandra Hüller, is right. accused of the authorities. They suspect that she was somehow complicit, or or she killed her husband by pushing him off a third floor, third story uh, uh, ledge mm. in their A-frame. And maybe they had bad uh, bad vibes in their relationship, and maybe mm. he was angry at her for having had same-sex affairs, and uh, he resented her because she wrote. Better or had more success as a writer than he did, and anyways, I'm out to get her. And you can just tell from the get go, it's not giving you any real suggestion that she is this monster, this sociopath who maybe killed. If it would be if it had suggested that somehow, it would have been kind of interesting, you know, but it doesn't, not for a second.
2: No,
0: well, I I unfortunately asked you how it ended, so I already knew going in, so it's hard for me to judge. Mm-hmm. Um right now what what I would have thought if I hadn't, but no, because from right at the beginning, you see that um when the kid comes up and you see him shouting for his mom and you see the look of shock on her face when she's running to she's not going to fake that, so right away mean when
1: she sees his body outside, yeah bloody yeah okay. it's
0: it's given away immediately, right, so mm-hmm. if she wanted to create a suspenseful film about a who it like that it she would have done it differently in fact she She didn't want to do that. She wanted to create a feminist screed. This was a movie about persecuting a woman because she's a woman, because Mm -hmm. she's not the mother she's supposed to be, because she dares to carve out time in her own life for her own career and her own pleasure. And that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be punishable by this dumb court.
1: Yep. That's right. They want to get her, for sure. The prosecutor has you know, knives in his eyes. He's looking to really, he wants to nail her somehow. Right. And he tries very hard to do it. And, but I don't believe that, there's no reason to think that she's guilty. If there were, it would be interesting, but they don't. Uh, uh, um, so the director, um, uh, her last name is uh, Justine Triet, T-R-I-E-T. She doesn't make an, an effort really to convince you that she might be complicit she might be a sociopath
0: well because that's not the point of the movie the point of the movie is you know persecuting the woman for being a woman Mm -hmm. for being a modern woman for being a feminist and you know it it, you know the diminished male character bothered me a lot um Mm -hmm. i thought personally because it was just it was just a dead story it was like a flat line it was one point made also Here's a situation where you have an absolutely brilliant performance by Sandra Holler. Like she was so good that she made the time I spent watching that movie worthwhile because she's such a talented actress and I really loved watching her and she's so good in it. I almost might watch it again, Mm -hmm. but um, the directing is terrible. It's people should stop being nice to women if they don't make a good, I don't understand that. I think that when people see a movie directed by a woman, they automatically think it's, it's, um, it's like, you know, that line in Manhattan where Diane Keaton says, "Uh, you know, what is pretty anyway? It's like, you know, if, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you react in bed, they men act so grateful. Like they don't expect it from you because you're so pretty. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but in this case, it's like, you know, she, They see her as a woman, so they assume the movie's going to be incompetent. So if it's a little bit good, they go overboard and say it's a great, it's a masterpiece. But it was two and a half hours long. Two of the people that I saw it with in a theater that only had a total of six people (laughs) to begin with Mm -hmm. um, walked out. Really? Okay. Because the first Mm -hmm. part of it is just a lot of talking. And I almost fell asleep. I had a hard time with it. In the very beginning, it, it starts to come alive better when they have their fight, when Sandra Huller is actually allowed to act and show us what she can really do. Then it gets good in their fight. But mm-hmm. you're exactly right when you say that it's missing that dramatic tension. And that, for me, is the film's biggest problem. Yeah. The dramatic tension should be maybe she did do it. But as yeah. we both pointed out, she had no motive. He's the one that had mm-hmm. the motive. Like if we were talking about if the fact that she couldn't write, let's say, and the husband Mm -hmm. was the writer, and she stole his ideas because he's too suicidal and too depressed to get them published, and she had all this fame and success for that. Like the the reverse of The Wife. Remember that movie, The Wife? The reverse of that, where she was taking credit. Now, they would never do that, because in the woke doctrine, you can't do that, because she's a woman, so she's going to have to come out as the redeemed character just like in maestro they could never condemn leonard bernstein he has to be redeemed because of his identity the only people who are allowed to be punished in movies like this are white men straight (laughs) white men
2: Mm -hmm. uh, punished right right? Right. and and Mm -hmm.
0: so i already you know you can already tell with with this movie exactly what it's about and and like we both talked about that opening scene with the music like Mm -hmm. what was that
1: now, there's uh, Sasha's explaining. It, there's an interview scene where where Sandra Holler is being interviewed by a local journalist, and we start hearing this really insane, oh, much too loud music. It's a 50 cent track, uh, and it's you can't hear anything. And it's basically steel drums. And it's and what what are we? Why are we dealing with this loud music? Because the asshole husband upstairs wants to play it loud because who knows? And maybe gets his. Gets his juices going, or he's angry, that his, he's jealous that his wife is being interviewed. So he wants to ruin the atmosphere. Completely crazy, and they just keep listening to it over and over again. And then it comes on again, and the, the two responses in a real world would be Sandra Holler telling him, "Well, you should turn that fucking music off. I'm trying yeah. to do a you know interview." Or she says to the journalist, uh, "There's a cafe about a mile. Let's just drive down. We'll do it there. We'll sit outside, have a nice time." No, no problem. But they sit it, there and say, oh, "Well, I guess we can't stop them." Yeah.
0: And you never uh, see on their faces any sort of annoyance, and so you're wondering, like, I, I was so confused by that scene. and I thought, mm-hmm. why, why, why is this happening? Like, any rational person mm-hmm. would try to do something about it. They wouldn't just sit there and suffer through it.
1: Yeah, she and she, Sandra, holder kind of smiles and shrugs her shoulders and i don't know what to say
0: it's a weird scene and then another weird scene that struck out at me is when after he died the boy keeps is inconsolable crying yes i thought wouldn't it have been more interesting if that was an opportunity to really show how distant the the relationship between the son and the mother Uh and that she did pay a price for her Uh career putting her career first but the movie would never do that because Uh they can't criticize the feminist they can't criticize but wouldn't it have been better if there really was tension? You know, like she was Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People or Meryl Streep yeah. in Kramer versus Kramer, where there was really there w- was a sacrifice mm-hmm. and that the son was crying because he didn't want to be left alone with his mother. Right. But exactly. they're never going to do that either. Right. Because this has mm-hmm. this is only a story about mm-hmm. one thing. Right. It's a it's a witch hunt. It's a witch burning.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, it wasn't that interesting to me, but what I thought was interesting was the uh, consensus on the part of woke critics and progressive critics pretty much everywhere, that when it became time to, well, which film from France is going to be the official submission? Well, it has to be Anatomy of a Call because it's French money and it won the Palme d'Or and it's obviously a much more involving, more gripping, more serious film, which I completely didn't agree with. Sorry, I thought that the taste of things, uh, i.e. the part of you is much more audience friendly and, and should, you know, be the thing. And of course, that's what happened ultimately. And, and people were like, gee, what happened? And our favorite amongst the progressives was, was the Justin Trier film. Why didn't it win? And I thought it was a, a moment of clarity and sanity. When it finally, but
0: it did win. Uh,
1: no, Justin Trier film was not chosen to represent France. Oh, that.
0: Best. I thought you were talking about the Palme d'Or. Right. Yeah, right, it, right. it did
1: win in, in, in France. Yes, it did at Cannes. Uh, it was a side-by-side thing. Um, uh, Anh Hung, uh, the director of uh, Taste of Things, or the Pot of Few was given the best director uh, uh, prize, and the Palme d'Or was given to... Um, uh, and that'd be the whole. There's absolutely
0: no question which is Mm -hmm. the better film. And it's it's embarrassing and sad to me and insulting that they can't be honest about that just because she's a woman. I hate that. If I was a woman director, I'd want people to be dead honest with me. Don't placate and condescend. Don't give me a prize I didn't deserve just because it makes you feel better and it makes you feel like you're changing the world.
1: Well, thank God uh, for Chan An-hung's, uh Hung's uh, sake, because he's Vietnamese, so he gets that card, Man of Color from, from Asia. So right. that's probably what saved him as far as that. if he had been from Idaho, some white guy making that movie. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, he would no. not even have gotten it a can, much less been.
0: No, but it. it's it's so good, the taste. Think of that opening scene, the first 30. Compare the two movies, first 30 minutes of each movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it, it, it's just, they're not even in the same planet these two yeah. and i don't mean to rag on this anatomy of i mean it's a perfectly fine movie it's just it's a soap opera you know it's a typical mm-hmm. french movie french uh filmmakers there's this this trend in france of these really long movies mm. um i've seen so many of them i usually see them at Cannes, but i always know if the movie's over two hours it's going to be one of these movies yeah. and they're very melodramatic they're like bollywood movies and they mm-hmm. take you through the twists and turns, and then ultimately everybody's happy at the end. Right. Um, and that's what this movie was. And so I'm sure it's, it's probably pretty popular in France, I would imagine, because of that. But I don't know. But anyway, I, the taste of things is just, mm. you know, is the cooking scene. Come on. I mean, this yeah, is like, wonderful. they're not even in the same league, these movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, sorry to okay. say.
1: So anyway, uh, there's a New York Post story that I just happened to come upon as we were talking, and it's basically the uh, it's a a survey of a state by state survey of the most searched uh, and most interesting sex positions. God, and uh, the the names are the colorful thing. That's what you kind of there's eagle, triceratops, butter churner,
0: Jesus,
1: speed bump, cupid's arrow. Uh, eiffel tower eiffel tower corkscrew spooning jackhammer i
2: love uh, these names
1: anyway so it's, no uh... the, the reason is it's <laughs>
0: it's so sad it's porn culture it's just mm. so sad this is the the result of yeah uh 10, 10 years over 10 years of having free porn on the internet remember when the internet first started you couldn't get free porn you had to buy it of course, yeah. And and then they realized that they could just get there with advertising, and now all these poor kids are growing up with gross, sanitized, disgusting porn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um and so they get all these, you know, they're just completely disconnected from the passion of sex, yeah. and they yeah. they sanitize it with these dumb names. Jackhammer is the worst thing.
1: <laughs> Do you know that? You've heard yeah, that? Yes, of
0: course. That's the only one I know. I don't know any oh. of the others. <laughs> I know backwards cowgirl and all that, but any person who feels that they have to do these positions, mm. they're just not going to be enjoying sex. Sorry. Sorry, folks take it from someone who has a high body count. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you, so what's the next big screening that we're about to see? As far as I can see this coming week. Yes. Nothing, no, at I, least, uh, and then, and then the following week is Napoleon
0: and color purples on the 13th for me. Anyway, and I am going again. to be driving across the country to, again to Ohio okay. starting sometime in the 16th, 17th, 18th of this month. Because I have to arrive there by the 22nd of November.
1: Oh, so for Thanksgiving, okay. yeah. Okay. To see my daughter right. and
0: her boyfriend's family.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, Good. So
0: I have to be there by the 22nd, uh, which means I really, depending on how, the 16th or 17th I'll have to leave by. Okay. So hopefully I'll see whatever movies um you know are playing then I'm going to finish seeing Rustin but my first take mm-hmm. of Rustin was I liked him. I thought he was entertaining and good in the part. Um I don't know if it's an Oscar winning performance. I haven't seen the whole thing so I don't know if he has his big Oscar scene. Mm. Um, but Best Actress is really starting to be very competitive, because if you take Carey Mulligan, who you think is really good, I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. and you put in Sandra Huller, who's amazing in this one, Emma Stone, also amazing, and then Lily Gladstone, that's already four really competitive
1: actresses. Yeah, I agree. Who's the fifth, do you think, amongst the Best actresses I don't actors?
0: know. What do you think? Maybe okay. Margot Robbie?
1: Well. That would be just a nod to the fact that it's a hugely that Barbie is a hugely and successful, she's a
0: beautiful movie star, and people might want her to be there at the just house
1: just so. to have a pretty woman there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Um, I don't think that um, uh, that that um, Annette Benning is is going to be real. I don't think the movie's successful enough, from what I understand. Um, but uh, I, I do think. Oh, Annette uh,
0: Benning. Yeah. Right.
1: You know, so you know, I I could see uh, just for the glamour factor, for the appreciation factor, everybody was delighted that that Barbie did as well as it did, and not just delighted that it did well, but it made exhibition into a thing again, as as exhibition was also a thing with with uh, with uh, Oppenheimer. So it was great, you know. It was everybody it was a great moment of celebration, and everybody was breathing easy and and pleased that. it uh, So I'm very much looking forward to kind of shook the cobwebs off and made people realize that culturally it was a big thing to go see a movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. And too bad it only lasted five seconds and now it's over. Um, Mm. So do you think that you personally, you think Kerry Mulligan's got it in the bag?
1: Well, no, I don't, because as you have pointed out uh, repeatedly, uh, it's not about quality of performance uh, or, you know, how well it's written and how well they deliver what has been written. It's about uh, identity. And if the identity criteria, as you have said over and over again, I'm not disputing you, is the thing, then it's uh, Lily Gladstone. But Lily Gladstone doesn't deliver anything even remotely close to the chops and the, the, you know, the truly moving element. I mean, you're really on a ride here with a really powerful uh, piece and a really excellent actress yeah. who knows so, how to deliver. But pro- if they, they might just go to, go to, you know, go to sleep, put everybody to sleep and say, well, we want to give another identity. No, no, that's, the, that's, that's not
0: the problem. The problem is not Lily Gladstone for, for Carrie Mulligan. The problem is Emma Stone.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. But she is already one for La La Land, correct?
0: But the problem is they're going to split each other's vote. So you have to figure out who's going to gain from that. And if there's another woman of color in the race, let's say let's say the woman from a color purple uh, Fantasia or whatever gets Fantasia Brina. Let's say she gets in or let's say the lead from Origin. Why do you
1: keep saying that these color purple guys? I'm giving
0: you a hypothetical. Let's say the woman from Origin the lead in Origin gets in. Then you have a situation where Lily Gladstone's going to be competing mm-hmm. with another woman of color okay. and then they could split the vote. Okay. So it doesn't matter how good Carrie Mulligan is. The fact that Emma mm-hmm. Stone is as good as she is, the two of them will divide the vote.
1: I would say uh, just looking at it from a purely exciting quality of performance level, that it is, I would be um, torn between Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone because they're both really good. See, I mean, that's really... the
0: problem. Then you're torn. Yeah, yeah and um and then you're down to which is the better film well then
1: then if, if there's a terror or you know a real split then you have to consider the narrative the narrative is that emma stone has been happening for about 10 years or so and she did win six years ago for la la land or five years ago and carrie mulligan has been uh, exploded in the scene in o nine with an education, and she is... There's enjoyed... no
0: narrative for Carrie Mulligan. I know you like you her. She has
1: never. She never won. That's they that's don't... Who narrative. cares?
0: Neither has um, Michelle Pfeiffer or Glenn Close. That yeah, doesn't but matter. but
1: if they're up there, that's why I thought maybe Glenn Close no. might win. They'll only pick
0: her... They'll only pick her if Maestro is a really strong contender. If it's stronger than Poor Things... Poor Things looks like a really strong contender. Which gives Emma Stone the edge, but if Maestro is better liked and it has more nominations and it's a monster coming into the Oscars, which I doubt it will be, but maybe you never know. Then Jeff that
1: Snyder subs- says that they, um, it's 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 an age thing, a generation thing. Uh, Gen Xers and Boomers are going to like it more than Millennials and Zoomers because it's uh, you know <clears throat> it kind of resonates. He says for those who for whom. Leonard Bernstein meant something. Yeah, but it, that it, that
0: doesn't matter. The fact that he's gay brings it into their generation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're into that LGBT thing. So I think that helps him a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. long-suffering wife dying of cancer, maybe. Maybe. Emma Stone getting railed from behind, maybe.
1: <laughs> There's a moment where Carrie Mulligan, who's really, she wants to... Uh, Felicia, her name, her character is, and she wants very much to have a romantic life because she has none with her husband whose heart and sexuality is, is gone elsewhere. And so she's uh, have a, she has a suitor, a, a man who has been interested in her, and it's kind of like it's a big moment. So she decides not to make it too romantic, just have a nice lunch, and I'm not going to spill the beans. But it's a very, very touching, sad moment when she meets this guy.
0: And he turns out to be gay too, right? No, just kidding. (laughs) Don't tell me that's how it ends.
1: I won't. I won't tell you.
0: <laughs> oh God, uh, that's that can't be.
1: You feel. You feel for her. You know, oh
0: my you, God, you she's know. like gay men everywhere. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Oh my lord.
2: Well,
1: there's a guy who is really turned on by Leonard, Leonard Bernstein's boyfriend, and he wants to meet him, so he's asking her for uh, an introduction.
0: Oh
2: God.
1: And, and it's just devastating. He just feels so sorry for this poor woman who deserves to feel loved and feel happiness and feel Oh, how horrible.
0: Wanted. God, that's every woman's worst nightmare, you know. Literally every woman's worst nightmare is that she's getting married to a man who's secretly gay. Yeah. I mean, that is that's that's a devastating and, and very painful and mean thing to do to someone. And
2: it's And, she, and the
1: poor woman, she's not, uh, like, devastated. She's, she's trying to, like, be classy about it, and she's cool, and she's not making a, a big dramatic thing out of telling the story. But you can just feel what she feels inside, you know? She's doing the best she can not to be overly dramatic. I'm sure she's great, you know?
0: Her. She's always great at everything. Yeah. She's a good actress. I mean, she's a really, really good. Speaking of which, can we just, mm. can we just backtrack for a second? Remember in mm. an Anatomy of a Fall when they were having that fight and she yep. says, what sex didn't I do? And he said everything. What do you think they were talking about?
1: She says, what sex what? He says,
0: he, you know, they're having this argument about yeah. sex and she says, He says, You only want to have sex your way. And she says, What kind of sex haven't I done? And he Mm -hmm. says, Everything. And and I it bothered me that they never got down to the nitty-gritty in that conversation. I just I I chalked that up to bad writing. Because it should have been something like, You only like the missionary style, or you only like the vibrator, you only like when I go down on you. Like there was Mm -hmm. never a specific. It was just her being blanket blamed for all their problems. And that's why I that the feminist screed part gets in the way. Like, let's hear uh, the specifics. You know, what are you talking about exactly? Because I wondered, mm-hmm. you know, you never want your audience sitting there wondering, you know, give them the answer.
1: I, I agree. If you're going to write a scene and you're going to go there and mention that someone is unhappy or unsatisfied in terms of their sex life, if you're going to bring that up, you should be a little specific and indicate what what's uh, going
0: on. So, are there any sex scenes between Bradley Cooper? No.
1: Oh, oh! Um, there's a post postcoital sex scene
0: with her, her and him. Yes, and he's and he's like couldn't get it up or something.
1: Oh, you think that would be the thing? But no, he he can't uh, be on a soft bed, so they have to do it on the floor. He has back issues or something. So, so he basically
0: anyway. forces himself to have sex with her.
1: No, there's they're okay. I mean, it's very it's a very nice postcoital scene, but there's some mention of that was embarrassing because I couldn't. he, he had to be on the floor. For whatever reason he had to be on a hard surface or harder surface than the soft bed i didn't quite understand it when i was so there. he
0: could I... do the jackhammer <laughs> <Just
1: kidding. laughs> good, yeah good question <laughs> anyway you can tell by her face and her mood and the whole thing it's a very nice post there's no problems here so this basically
0: he's not really gay they say he's bi
1: well, that's the feeling you get from him and the couple in general when in the early stages, which is all black and white, by the way. It's he all just black prefers
0: male. He prefers men in bed.
1: They certainly, they certainly don't talk about it. They certainly don't talk about it. And when there's the, the big moment comes when he has been told that he has to explain to his daughter about the quote unquote rumors, unquote, <laughs> um, she says to him before he's about to meet the daughter, don't you dare tell her the truth. And he goes, he goes to speak with his daughter, Maya Hawk, and um, he, it seems like he's being very real with her. And then he drops the bomb, which is...
0: Yeah, he lies to her.
1: Yeah, it's really real. I mean, it's that look on his face after it has lied to her, and she kind of like... She, I, I don't know if she knows it, but she can maybe sense it. And it's really devastating that a, a father would do that to a, to a daughter. I, I just can't imagine... But it's good that they
0: showed it. It's truthful, you know. That's true. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. I wish they would allow me to see it. I know that they they're obviously wanting me to see it on the big screen, which is why they're not giving me the login to see it.
1: Yeah, that's why. And I and I completely. Because
0: the cinematography is supposed to be really good.
1: And I, w- I really want to see it in a first-class That's really wonderful to see it at Dolby 88. The, the sound is wonderful. The, the, the foot lamberts, the, uh, the illumination is perfect. Everything is just right. And it's really delightful that it mm. works that way. And I loved that a fire alarm went off right in the middle of it. That was just astounding. I, I just couldn't believe that was happening with the strobe lights and the beep, 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 beep. I know, the cat just got upset when I, when I heard Aww. that
0: sound. <laughs>
1: She was sleeping, and she raised her head, and like, what, what's going on? What's going Our on? Poor Kitty. Um, <laughs> and I did a whole thing about Best Supporting, which we didn't touch, but I basically feel uh, at the very top of my headline, I think it's Divine Joy Randolph in a walk. I don't think there's any question. She's the one that gets me the most. Plus, she's got the uh, identity thing, and uh, not just a woman of color, but a a woman of size and she's all excellent there isn't a scene or a line that she doesn't get exactly right i just thought she was perfect i loved her yeah me too but, but i, I, don't I think loved her she possibly misses so
0: well who who else are you putting in there
1: well my second choice i have it uh, i should uh, find it i'm sorry for it's going to take me a second to pull it up if i can just go to the main page uh, okay here we go i'm on the top here dump biden harris the Jeff Snyder piece, uh, hang on, let me see. Oh, yeah, there's only Divine Joy Randolph is what I wrote. And my second, by the way, and I feel very strongly about this, apparently nobody else does, Thanks. is Penelope Cruz is wonderful in the Michael Mann film, Ferrari. She's really mm-hmm. a firecracker and a tiger, and she's, she's angry, and she's, you can really feel her. And there's a great sex scene that they have together. I really thought she was great. I didn't mention uh, Jodie Foster because I haven't seen it, um I didn't um I, I I really did like a lot um uh, Viola Davis in the Michael mother of Michael Jordan thing and air. I don't think that's gonna happen though. And I even mentioned, I thought she was very good, as Rachel McAdams playing the nice, caring, supportive, non dramatic mom in Are You There God, It's Me, Margaret. I didn't mention I said forget Julianne Moore in May December. Uh, I I thought that when I first saw it, that America Ferrara would be definitely a contender for Barbie because she has that great rant about about what women have to women yeah. have to shoulder and all the troubles that they go through. And then Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, I don't think she has that at all. Yes and she has. And I have uh not seen Vanessa Kirby in Napoleon, of course. I won't see it until the fourteenth and I have not seen Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple. Um so that's where I was at. What do you, what oh, do, you, okay. do you, miss somebody?
0: Um, well, I, I absolutely think Emily Blunt is in for sure. She's very good Why? at that. Because she plays. She doesn't
1: plays... do anything. She just sits there and sees and she drinks. That is That's not,
0: it. well, she plays an alcoholic. She does not. She has some of the yeah. best, the film's best scenes. She's in, she's in. Don't even try to convince yourself otherwise. So Divine yeah. Joy yeah. Randolph is my choice for the win too. But I also have America Ferrera as a, uh, because not just because of that one scene, but because she's actually qu- quite—you know—she's really the film's beating heart, and um, mm-hmm. and and it mm-hmm. bugged me when I first saw it because I thought, oh, typical, you know, they have to recede the white heroine because. But it bugs me less and less every time I rewatch it because I just like her character so much. It doesn't make a difference okay. to me. Um, I agree with you about Penelope Cruz. I haven't seen the movie, but I trust you, and I think she's probably in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't bet against it. After you 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 managed to get her in for that other movie that she was in, whatever that was. I can't remember, but it
1: was the Pedro Almodovar film, Parallel. Yeah, and your your enthusiasm
0: dra- that was wonderful. really helped her get a nomination, yeah. and um, and yeah. I think it I think mm-hmm. it made a big difference. Um, I'm, everybody is going on and on about Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, but I haven't seen that movie, so I have no idea if she's, you know, she's getting in. I don't think Rosamund Pike was good in Saltburn. I hated that movie. I thought she was terrible. I thought every performance was terrible. Well, except Mm -hmm. maybe the lead. He was okay. Um, but Jodie Foster is great in Nyan. She's the best thing about the movie, without a doubt. So, well, you have a, have a great rest of your Sunday. You too. All right. You too bye you're listening to oscar poker and this is a free episode we plan on doing one free episode a month and the rest of them will give you the first 30 minutes for free and, and the rest will be behind a paywall we're doing this to keep good. yeah we're doing this to keep hollywood elsewhere afloat all the money goes to hollywood elsewhere into jeff not to me and uh, five bucks a month is nothing compared if you get like. Four really long hour and a half discussions with us. I think it seems like a really good deal, personally. Or you can become a founding member, just pay an annual fee. Uh, We have, you know, uh, so far a a small number of subscribers, but we're hoping to build it up so that Jeff is not, you know, so that he can keep working. (laughs) All right.
3: I really don't know clouds at all Moons and dunes and ferris wheels The dizzy dancing I've looked at love that way But now it's just another show You leave them laughing when you go And if you care, don't let them know No, don't give yourself away I've looked at love from both sides now From give and take Somehow it's love's illusions I recall Oh, I really don't know love at all Tears and fears and feeling proud To say I love you and circus crowds i've looked at life that way but now old friends are acting strange they shake their heads they say i've changed well something's lost but something's gained in living every day oh i've looked at life from Still somehow it's life's illusions I recall Oh, I really don't know life